0: Uh, our general technologies, they evolve around predicting the future and using those predictions to make optimal decisions. If you have enough data, then anything is, uh, has a simple probability density.
1: Hello, this is Odessa and Michal with Last Week on Earth with the Global Arena Research Institute. Happy New Year to our listeners. Today we have a treat as we're joined by one of our International Advisory Board members, Patrick Vanderschmack, who is the director of AI for Volkswagen Group. More accurately, the director of the Machine Learning Research Lab. We've asked him about happenings at Volkswagen and his new initiative, tend to go where they'll incubate teams that use technology to address the sustainable development goals. Our next guest will be Catherine Mulligan, who is a member of the high-level panel of the UN Secretary General on Digital Cooperation. Enjoy!
2: The Volkswagen Group is, is very much supportive of, of the new
0: technologies.
1: Do you have any examples of something cool that's happening?
0: What we are doing is we have um, embarked on a, on, a, on a path where we um, don't just push papers and don't just do um, high impact problem solving here and there, but we want to create technology that, um, that really works. And I think the, 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 the non-word of 2020 is going to be sustainability, so I'm not going to use that one, but it would be fitting here. Because what we, what we try to do is, is create methodologies that don't just show um, that something could work, but we actually make it work across, uh, across a number of, um, of, of applications and test scenarios and so on and so forth. Uh, th- that's that's what makes us actually quite different from uh, from a university department for instance right mm-hmm. university the, the primary output or one of the primary outputs i should say is is publications and publications are important for us but publications are not the end of a, of a, of a of a path there um there are uh, markers uh, along that path um, and and so one instance one example for instance is where we work on uh, on navigation and and that that looks very much like a, like an automobile uh, application and it could be used there but it's much broader than that it's actually an old robotics problem from the 1980s and uh, that's the following problem suppose I have some 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 agent it's a mobile robot uh, right and that that agent that moves around in its environment and it has, um, for instance, a camera or a number of cameras or these kind of sensors, how does it know where it is and how does it recognize that it has seen a certain part part of its environment already? And how does it, uh, uh, does it find a path there? So imagine yourself coming in a, in a building you have never been in, how are you going to find the toilets when you, when you leave the meeting room? that's usually quite a difficult task right mm-hmm. so you go left and then you go right and then you go Then then you say well i've gone too far so maybe go in the other direction but doing that requires that you should be able to to recognize you've already been there because you never reach your goal right so you so you rec- recognize landmarks and you recognize uh, maybe 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 specific colors or specific doors or that. And and it's part of architecture to make sure that buildings work in that way. Right. That not every every door and every hallway is exactly the same as the other one because you get lost. Now, you can do this with machines as well. We're working on a project, have been doing that for uh, it's almost three years now uh, where we where we solve this problem. And there there exist solutions to it in, in the robotics literature. But all of them have some problems and and we try to say well we want to solve this in in a in a way which is very similar to how biology does it how humans do it um that is building a a map of your environment from your sensory inputs and using a probabilistic approach to then uh, start reasoning in that so for each point that i am i have have a have a probability that i'm in that point i can I can imagine what my sensory input is going to be if I move in a certain direction. So I can, can in my head play what I'm going to see and all of that stuff. So we, we combine all of that um, and it's been actually quite an effort, but we are very close to, uh, to uh, rolling out our first uh, results in, in that direction. And that's the nice thing that you're able to do research on a long-term trajectory Without having to to uh, to sell those those things to uh, funding agencies all the time, and we do that as well, but but we are not completely dependent on that. Um, and uh, uh, creating in the end a, a methodology which is which really works, which can really be deployed there.
2: This sounds like a researcher's paradise. <laughs> uh, well,
0: I mean, it would be paradise if we were ten times as large, but <laughs>
2: okay, okay. <laughs> I know that that uh, we would like today uh, we would like to talk about the tend to go initiative, uh, but if you don't mind, I, I I linger a little bit longer around the actual research that, that you've been conducting for the AI uh, research at uh, Volkswagen.
0: Our general technologies they evolve around um, predict the future and using those predictions to make optimal decisions. Right. So in, in the moment where I, I know what's going to happen the next, I don't know, 10 steps or hundred steps, and I can not only predict the state of my system, but I can actually also predict what I'm going to see, what my sensors are going to see, uh-huh. then I can do two important things with that. First of all, I can use that very easily to uh, react to unforeseen changes of my environment. So. Sim- silly example, I have a camera image and I'm moving around and uh, I predict what my camera image is going to be and suddenly I see an object coming from the right. That is, uh, is, is a very uh, simple way of, of uh, reacting. It's actually exactly how biological systems do that. They make predictions. I mean, when you walk around outside, you make predictions of what you will see and if suddenly a cyclist comes from the right and you will immediately be able to react to that because it's a simple uh, comparison of predicted image with real image and the difference of that is very easy to compute and you can react to that very quickly right so so we developed those methodologies but if you can do that prediction then you can also use that prediction to compute what your optimal actions are or you can compute what what the influence is of going, uh, of of making certain control decisions, you um, you 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 move to the right or move to the left, um, because you can s- simulate in your prediction what's going to happen if you take those, and then you go for the direction that is most uh, most efficient. So we've we've actually been uh, implementing that on uh, on drones. Um, so we have a scenario where a number of drones. Um, Uh, learn to fly by uh, optimizing actually their future uh, maximum set of capabilities. So they want to always fly to a state where they are maximally agile or they can be maximally agile um uh, we have um developed that on uh, on robot arms as well to as a, to, to demonstrate it on a totally different platform where where if you want to move a robot arm from a to b and it has obstacles in its way you can uh, compute um by running this this learned stimulation what the optimal optimal paths are we use this in this navigation example uh which i gave you uh, in the beginning, uh, we use that for detecting um, unseen, unforeseen uh, scenarios, right? In this, this anomaly detection thing that I mentioned, and so we have a bunch of those those examples where we roll this out. We we're working on a few other ones, but they're they're at the beginning and doesn't make sense to to uh, mention those. But at the same time, um, we we try to do that in such a way that we can understand what the system is doing and combine that with a um, with an internal representation that we can control. Um, sounds very abstract, but what it means is that w- in each and every time we learn the system in such a way that the, the sensory data and the actions are mapped to an internal representation that corresponds to the physics of the system.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so you have to first mo- sort of model the overall physics of the system, or, or is this more inductive?
0: No, that's that's inductive. Um, so you can you can model as much of the physics as the in the, of the system as you can, but this, the the system will figure out the uh, the physics itself from relating actions to, to observations. Okay. Um, uh, it's it's uh, you can't explain that in audio. Um, at least oh, I, I I can't. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut to in to cut into because this is really an extremely uh, interesting question. Which and I had this question even before, but now it seems to be even more important. If you don't mind, I will. I will. Uh, I will just in two sentences. Uh, uh, you know, because with Gary, what we are trying to do is we are uh, trying to um, uh, adopt a similar approach, <laughs> but for for globalization, basically. We're, we're working with uh, thousands of variables uh, for each country um, across the years for all the countries in the world. And now one of the key questions is, do we want to sort of build in uh, some sort of a framework into the global system? And so that way to help uh, the machine learning to have some sort of general grasp, or do we want to go, uh, completely uh, inductively that's that's one question
0: you want to you want to go the first way that's so
2: we want to build some oh that that's the way we're doing it so we want to build so we're building some assumption but the problem is that this is going to always be our subjective assumptions is it does 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 it hurt you think it might hurt the outcome
0: well so the way we do that is uh, we the assumption itself is not part of the final solution but the uh-huh. assumption is used in shaping the final solution mm-hmm. so so we train actually our, our models with this uh, with this assumption in place um, and that means that that it has a good kickstart of finding uh, a certain representation of the data that corresponds closely to the solution but it will still solve around that solution okay okay, and
2: okay. The other question the other question would be related to that um, do you feel that there is a difference or or maybe not a difference in terms of yes or no but, but at some sort of scale you know the more of a human or social phenomena you uh, you have to work with in your models or in, in, in the in the data environment meaning for example yeah uh, that we use it ranges uh, of everywhere from the GDP to uh, family income to family behavior to, uh, f- to the expectations of companies to be bright or bribe. Uh, so, so, the more there is this sort of human slash social phenomena, uh, do you feel at a fundamental AI uh, level, uh, do you feel there's a difference or, or not in the end? You know, speaking of, you know, if, if you're, uh, I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself uh, correctly, but uh, do you f- feel there's a difference? between having data about people and social interactions versus more static environment
0: um, well I, I think I think the only answer I could give is that uh, related to the fact that um, uh, the the law of uh, of the central limit theorem right if if you have enough data then. Then anything is uh, has a simple uh, probability density, um, then your assumptions hold. But um, at, at the moment where you are trying to uh, represent social phenomena and you do not have enough data um, or your data is, is biased in a way that you, that you do not know, um, you have to be very, very careful with matching those to your assumptions. And, and that's, that's quite different from a technical system. Because in a technical system, uh, you typically do have a blueprint of, of what that system does and how it works. And that means that, that its behavior is quite closely governed by, um, uh, by uh, um, a, a technical uh, depend- dependencies which are which are almost completely correct, which are very, very accurate because you, you built your, your machine in such a way. Um, so, so uh, I find it, I find it scary to, um, uh, to, to, to match that to to those kind of topics. Uh, and and on top of <laughs> That's that, scary. I, I, yeah, scary. On top of that, I'm not the expert. I, I tell you why why I find that scary. Um, apart from the from the research work we're doing. I have also set up a, um, an initiative. Uh, it's called ETAMI for Ethical and Trustworthy Artificial and Machine Intelligence. And I started this uh, end of 2017, I think it was. Uh, my first thoughts and first first looking into that um, was related to the fact that, uh, yes, everybody is now using machine learning in one way or the other. And there are all of these, uh, these applications coming up and uh, la-di-da. Um, and all wonderful, but um, uh, the um, uh, result of those is not really well investigated. Uh-huh. What What does it actually have? I mean, you know, face face recognition is the is the old fashioned example, uh, old fashioned by now perhaps. Um, but but everybody knows that face recognition has, is problematic, even though it's technically quite ex- excellent. But the errors it makes. Are, are are very hard to work with right <clears throat> now um, uh, what you saw companies start doing is is uh, putting forth codes of conduct I, I will not do this and i will not uh, abuse and you know and and always human in the loop and all of these these regulations and all of these regulations are very very nice and and it's it's nice to have something like that the real impact of such a code of conduct on what your company does and how your company works is totally undefined Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. right
0: I'm me as a coder I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not so much of a coder but me in quotes right I, I do code but but I'm way behind of the people in my lab um, but but as a coder, um, if I have a, a, a rule that um, uh, I don't know, I should uh, I should take uh, um, um, gender equality into account in my algorithms, right? As an example, what does that mean? What does it actually mean? How do I train my neural network to do that? How do I make sure that that my methodology d- does that? How do I ensure that my data set does that? You know, it's, there there are no actionable items related to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what uh, what we started doing is uh, is say well okay uh, codes of conduct are nice but you actually need to form those into uh, measurable um, uh, guidelines uh, accountable guidelines Um, code of conduct um, uh, manuals um, and and you must actually make them also something like certifiable or at least accessible say well okay i can i can uh, put a an external uh, entity and, and can come in and look into my books and see if we do all the best to follow those ethical guidelines. Now f- with with that that thought in mind um, I set up an organization and currently it has I think it's uh, 15 or 16 members or so it's like Volkswagen and, and Siemens and Atos and ABB and, uh, and a few universities and uh, companies in Europe, uh, Zalando is there and and Telecom is there and so on, um, and and we together um, are developing a, a um, uh, accessible set of standards and and uh, assessment of those standards in order to say well we want to make this problem measurable, um, and and that's that's then the way where, where I say uh, said to you well I find it scary to do that for these things because I don't know how to how to actually measure. Uh, success in a in a social context of of a methodology in a moment where i take a control method and i put it on a machine then in many cases i can measure that success by some kind of 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 quantity i can evaluate and say this is better than yesterday or it is worse than yesterday when i release that in society there is really no way of doing that un- unless it goes really bad but in general it is really hard to measure the success of, a, of, a, of something you put in place and something where you interact with, uh, with people. So that's why I, I want to have these safeguards into use, where I say I put a number of safeguards so that not only we develop um, our methodologies with a, the with a maximum care, but also, of course, we observe those methodologies when they are in use and see that they do not bring any harm. Uh, and do not uh, do not suffer from biases and so on and so forth
2: two points on this patrick For, first of all this is an excellent i mean seriously i'm amazed by by, by the initiative and, and if, if there is any way we could you know share share the 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 initiative via our channels would be happy to because this is you know this is among the core in core issues that gary is trying to work on too J- just to give you an example what it was that 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 I had in mind when it comes to the complex social systems. So, one, for example, there will be a lot of EU money being pumped into the energy transition and, and the green energy. And uh, we would like to start, uh, start modeling and projecting using hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of variables what might be the, the complex impact of that. Uh, uh, you know across countries across uh, areas uh, because it's not only that you pour money into for example voltaic uh, uh, energy or or, or, or uh, uh, co-generation units but it will always have some wider social implications and, and uh, we are working hard on, on, on trying to measure those wider social implications but you're right this is extremely difficult and uh, that's yeah. why I appreciate your answer anyway I'll I'll stop here, and I, I'm sure that Odessa has something
0: to <laughs> to say.
1: I mean, I I wanted to briefly talk about uh, your initiative tend to Go. So, do you want to talk about that now, or?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Happy, happy to do so. Because once you say, well, this impact of uh, of, of 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 how to create sustainable energy uh, solutions, um, uh, there's the word sustainable again. But you can't help it, right? It's necessary. I
2: was careful not to use the word sustainable.
0: <laughs> I fall, fall in the trap all the time. I mean, <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah, I find it really annoying. These yes. words become such a stereotypical, or or it becomes uncool to use them because everyone is.
0: Yeah, exactly. But what can you do? Anyway, so so um, the, the, it, it's it's. I, it started like this. I had a um, meeting at the United Nations uh, uh, that must have been two years ago or was it three years ago. I think it was two years ago. And I met somebody there and we talked uh, talked about, uh, he, I, I learned about the sustainable development goals. I never heard of them before. I thought, what the hell? But, you know, 2030, that's totally ridiculous to have all of these goals in 2030. But it's a, it's a metaphor. So, so once you start appreciating that and say, well, actually, you know, uh, creating creating money is is important and it's necessary but in europe right at least in europe we have learned that that you cannot do that um, at the cost of many things because you don't don't just want to create good revenue in in 2020 and 2021 but you also want to do it in 2050 and uh, 50 years from now and 100 years from now right Uh, well i'm kicking in an open door i know that but uh, i also know that uh, in Volkswagen, um, you do have quite some social responsibility. Um, and I know that, that of course, it's an important thing for the company itself to do that. And I'm not involved directly in, in all of these uh, things that the company does with respect to sustainability. Um, but I think, well, I, I should do something myself here. I teamed up shortly after that with Microsoft. And... And set up a plan to say, well, how can we actually create a uh, uh, some kind of impact with respect to those sustainable sustainable development goals? How can we actually manage to uh, create something that, that really changed something? It took me it took me quite a while to figure out what the best way to go is. I don't know if it's the best way, but what's a good way to go is, um, and that is to say, well you know i'm i'm just a just a computer guy you know i mean i know some math and I know some computer science but i really don't know anything beyond that so i need other people to support me there and my solution therefore was to say well let's do something like startup incubation um, but this startup incubation is is different in that it should involve a solution or or some something which tackles the uh, sdgs one or more of the sdgs and in order to, uh, to make it something where, uh, which I can relate to, it should be a, a data-driven solution to the SDGs. So something with data, something with machine learning, whatever, and an SDG. And then um, what we do is we support a startup which has a, has a good plan, um, give them 100,000 euros, Give them uh, six months of uh, incubation support w- with respect to legal support, coding support and machine learning support and so on. All this stuff that the startup should get for a period of six months and I hope that they can um, make that solution. And now I have to use the word but really sustainable. So may, find a solution that really makes a difference, even though it's a small difference, but a difference with respect to any any one of the SDGs. And when I say startup incubation, of course it is clear that uh, that the ownership of the company and their solution stays with that company, and that uh, neither Volkswagen nor Microsoft will get any part of that solution. Well, except for 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 some core communication, right? I mean, we want to be proud of that we have helped the startup to uh, to solve the problem
1: in terms of the the tech use uh, of course this is really yeah. interesting for gary because we're advocating for using technology in other uh, areas rather than just you know technology and, and corporate uses and using it in more diverse and interesting and good areas um, i don't know if you know about the initiative or the organization good tech lab who are based out of Barcelona and Paris. So their their whole initiative is to support uh, any sort of projects or initiatives that address the sustainable development goals and use technology Um, and and our data driven initiatives. They have this whole report where they address every single SDG and talk about the initiatives that are happening uh, that use technology to to address those goals. also, you, when you were at the Next 100 Symposium in Prague, uh, Tim Palmer advocated for a sort of CERN.
0: Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah.
1: For climate change, which I think, again, is any time you use CERN as a model for an initiative, I think it's brilliant because it's international and it it advocates for uh, diversity and uh, interdisciplinarity. Do you have any your favorite examples of of using technology or using AI specifically for... The sdgs or do you and a separate question do you have your favorite sdgs <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i don't i don't but well maybe that's not true i i, I am slightly biased to sdgs which are also which are worldwide right not not all not all sdgs are are uh, are problematic in 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 all continents Apart from that, no, I, I don't have a among the products. I'm actually quite actively closing my eyes these days because we have our own initiatives. There were certainly discussions uh, where people said, well, maybe we should focus on transport because it's Volkswagen. But I think, I think uh, the responsibility of a company like Volkswagen goes way beyond transport.
1: Does Volkswagen already have projects that are addressing the SDGs in some way, even not directly?
0: uh yes there there are but we so we have a sustainability de- department who is focusing on that and uh, and they're actually actively uh addressing those segs and actually there's also uh internal competition going on on uh, on who has the best project on supporting one of the segs uh, initiatives uh, internal initiatives like this go on but, and
1: are they are they um directly involved with uh, your sort of work no, in terms of no no So it's not technology-driven solutions?
0: Uh, No, not necessarily, no.
1: Okay. So that makes you all the more unique and cool.
0: Well, I'm not sure if cool, but uh, we try. I mean, I'm realistic, right? Because if you do startup incubation, what's the success chance? Something like 10% or so. So um, maybe I have to do this ten ten times in order to uh, to get a get a, a higher likelihood of having a successful team. But um, uh, I, I, we will try everything we can to make this work at least this uh, this first time, and then we'll see what happens next.
1: That's really. good. I wish you all the luck. I know it's a really difficult process to go through applications.
0: We should have already started in June this year, but then uh, you know things changed
1: well we'll we'll share it we have we have a community of of actually thousands of students that applied for our program a couple years ago as well as uh universities that we've been in contact with about um our traineeship so don't worry it'll get far and wide
0: i i i beg i beg you to do so yes please
2: yeah we'll be we'll be happy to do that um patrick i know that your time is pressured but but precious but um Maybe one more reflection, or one, one more, one more point for discussion, um, and it, it it's uh, it, it's linked to the general acceptance, either by politicians or by, by corporate um, uh, CEOs, the acceptations of the f- you know fundamental role of technology um, uh, for, for our future. And what I'm, what I'm, what I'm meaning is that when we started Gary about five, four or five years ago. Uh, there was not much back then. There was not much uh, talk about technology, society, politics. Now it looks like everybody is talking about it. But even though, if you know, if we're having a meeting with, with some representatives of of, um, uh, of the corporate world or you know politicians, it still looks like it's some sort of a check item, you know. But I. I feel like that like there is a lack of deep understanding of, of the of the profoundness or of the fundamentally uh, changing landscape um, and, and you know and, and deep down or I mean at the end of the day it looks like or I it feels like uh, those important actors it's more like they will go about their business as as usual, and they sort of check the item. Yes, we do support the, the interaction with technology, but basically, you know, we just we just want to clear our table and, and and go 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 about our business as as, as we did before. Do do you have a similar experience, or, or how do you feel about it? <clears throat> no,
0: I I have actually the opposite experience, and I'm happy about that because I'm at the other side of the table, right? Um, with a technology background and uh, working in a technology company, um, and and everybody is is extremely supportive of um, of saying, well, we have to do something, we have to be active, and we have to uh, meet up. And I think I think it is really important that the people who are in technology, and and that very much includes people in research, right? I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm in research. I've been in. In, in, uh, in public research, almost all of my life, um, only research for, for a few years now, for four years and a few months now. Um, uh, and um, uh, I know that that's especially people in acad- academia are very often um, having the standpoint. Well, yeah, OK, but this is research and I'm not I'm that doesn't touch upon me. Um, I had that same opinion as well, and and I, I've I've changed my view a bit because I think that um, if you are doing research, I, you have just as well a social responsibility um, and and the necessity to relate to problems outside of your your daily uh, daily life and outside of your 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 bubble. Um, uh and and I, I know that people are increasingly interested in in supporting those things. So from the other side of the table, I think that um the people have, opening people's eyes that's that you can do other solutions with the technologies that you are developing and that you actually have to also count um the 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 cost of the research you're doing right at the cost and with respect to the planet and with respect to society was with, with the research you're doing i think you have to always be aware of that and i think that teaming up um and and finding cross-disciplinary interests um is is key at both sides of the table. And I know the technical part has a, has a problem with that. It's sad to, uh, to hear that the other, other side has just as well a problem with that. Um, but that's why we need to continue putting those people together, putting technical people at the table with, uh, with people on, uh, on, the, on the social side and, and the other way around. Um, we just have to, one step at a time.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thank you for the encouraging words.
1: Thank you so much. It's it was so nice to, to hear your voice again after such a such a long time.
0: Well, thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Thank you to our listeners for listening. Next week you'll hear from Catherine Mulligan, the VP and Region CTO of North and West Europe at Fujitsu, who was a member of the UN High-Level Panel on Digital Cooperation and whose aim in life is to deliver on the promise of digital technologies in a fair and equitable manner for everyone in society. Until then, we hope you're safe and happy.